Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for podcasters by podcasters. Podcasting Smarter is the official podcast from Podbean, featuring podcasting interviews, best practices, and helpful tips. We're here to give you the tools, resources, product updates, and news to help you get started podcasting and keep your podcast growing. Hello and welcome everyone to Podcasting Smarter. This is Podbean's head of events, Norma Jean Blinky. And today I am here with Gordon Firemark, the podcast lawyer. Hello, Gordon. Hi, Norma Jean. It's great to be here. We are so excited to have you. So we are going to speak on this interview today about how to set yourself up for success with your podcast and specifically with advertising. And when you start to monetize your podcast, how you can set things up to really be successful and have things be clear, have your clients be happy and really be successful in your podcast monetization. So hello and welcome. Well, I'm glad to be here and let's do it. This is going to be good. Yeah. So before we get started, um, tell us just a little bit about uh, yourself and the being the podcast lawyer. Well, as you said, I'm the podcast lawyer. That became the fact because I uh, started life in in uh, my professional life at working in theater and film and television as a sound guy. And then when I, uh, I actually went to law school because the Writers Guild had gone on strike and the movie business was shutting down and, and all that. So I decided, okay, I'll go to law school. Came out of law school very clearly interested in entertainment law and um, ended up starting up my own practice very early on after law school. And I was looking for the right ways to market my practice. And I, I adopted email newsletters before email newsletters were a thing. And I adopted blogging and I, you know, all those kinds of things. And so when podcasting came along, the early adopter in me said, wow, I got to try that. And I started a podcast called Entertainment Law Update. And um, when I did that, I, I sort of went looking for the the resources, the legal information to know that I was doing things right and by the book. And I found out that there were no resources. So I set upon it to uh, do that myself and create a resource. So I wrote a book called The Podcaster's Blog, Podcaster Blog and New Media Producers Legal Survival Guide. It's a mouthful. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> anyway, yeah. It's, it's, Say that it's one more time. Okay, podcast great. blog and new media producers legal survival guide. And it's an ebook. And, and, uh, you know, when you write a book like that, you develop a level of expertise that uh, is sort of hard to match. Um, and so I've been in the podcasting community ever since helping folks to, uh, do the things they need to do to make sure they're set up for success and, and, um, achieving the goals that they have for themselves. Absolutely. And I want to talk about what those things are in a second. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting, you know, in terms of podcasting, we always speak about how it's expanding at such an exponential rate right now. Mm -hmm. And we're really kind of in this wild west moment of podcasting where, you know, if your content's good and you build your audience, there's really no limit to what your podcast can do. So it's fantastic that you've set yourself up really as an expert in the beginning because you have the expertise and it wasn't there for people. So that's fantastic. So in regard to setting yourself up for success, let's jump in. Yeah. Um, when you start a podcast, right? Let's say maybe you have a couple of co-hosts. It's maybe mm-hmm. an interview show. You have a co-host. Maybe you have a friend who's helping you produce. What's the best way to set yourself up in terms of copyright, maybe starting a business and making sure things are really clear from day one? Well, thank you. That's a great question. And it raises all kinds of potential issues. And so you know, it, it does bring up the question of, of what's the business structure? What is the relationship of the parties? And, and the best way to deal with that is to have the conversation. Yeah. Figure out 
who's going to own this thing and how are we going to own it and who's in charge of what and who, who gets what if, if, and when hopefully there's the kind of success that leads to money coming in. And um, all of that is really sort of in a category that I say, I kind of call it the podcast prenup. You need to have that conversation about the what ifs, the who gets the house and kids if things don't go the right way. And yeah. that's as much of, a, of an issue as who gets the money. So it often starts with forming some kind of a business entity. Mm-hmm. The fact of it is when two or more people get together and they start to do business, and let's, you know, let's consider that podcasting, even if it's just a hobby, is still doing business. You're out there putting stuff out there to the world and they're consuming it and maybe you're making money, maybe you're not. Think of it like a business. So when two or more people get together and start doing business, they are considered partners in the eyes of the law. And partners are equally entitled to things. They're also equally responsible and equally liable if anything goes wrong. So it's not always the best structure. (laughs) It's a good idea to get something in writing, even if you are just going to sort of say we're all equal on all things. Yeah. Write it down in a partnership agreement, if nothing else. But a better way to approach it is to think about forming a corporation or a limited liability company. The LLC is really the, the, the mode of choice these days. What it does is exactly what it describes. It limits the liability of the owners for things that happen inside the company. And in the process of setting up an LLC, you, you make what's called an operating agreement. And that is where you would lay out all of the relationships between all of the people who are involved in the management and ownership of the company, who's responsible for what and, and those kinds of things. And the people who aren't owners are not <laughs> owners. So um, the, the founders need to think about this and then bring on everybody else on the team yeah. using other forms of agreements. Yeah, absolutely. And what do some of those agreements look like? I mean, not to not to call anybody out. Obviously, you have attorney <laughs> attorney client privilege there and we don't want to we don't want to violate that in any way, but you know, what what does some of that look like? I, I would guess, you know, maybe you have an interview show with a co-host, you guys would split 50-50, right? But yeah. then maybe you're doing more of the production work, so maybe you'd want a bigger percent. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways to handle that. In fact, my show, I have a co-host. We've been co-hosts for 13 years now. And uh, on day one, we agreed it's my show. She's the co-host. That's all she is. That means that I bear all the responsibility for the expenses and the hosting fees and the, you know, the, the risks and, and so on. And um, when we make some money, I try to throw her some, some her way, but, uh, you know, covers the expenses first. And then there's a little bit left over to divvy up. So um but yeah, you could agree that it's 50-50 or, or you could agree that it's 50-50 after all the expenses and costs come off the top. Uh, or you could just agree, well, you're, you're just showing up to co-host the show. I'll give you 10%. And yeah. all of that is possible because it's an agreement, a contract. Yeah. So, Yeah, absolutely. And for some of the podcasters out there who are just starting, you know, what are the best practices for starting your podcast versus podcasters who maybe have been working on their shows for some time. Maybe they started and didn't think about the legal or Mm. the business side of it. And now maybe they're starting to monetize things are coming in. And it's really that moment to get clear on those agreements. Well, it's never too late to get the agreements and and the paperwork in order. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you, you referenced the monetization, you know, that is often a moment of truth when, Relationships change because money starts coming in. 
people's memories of what they agreed to two, three, five, ten years ago change. People's ideas, now that they see some money coming in, oh, wow, maybe I should be doing this or maybe I should get more of that. So that's why I say the earlier, the better, of course. But at the point where you expect that you're going to start monetizing, I think that's the that's the last best time <laughs> to, yes. to get it together. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, for those out there, how does also for those podcasters out there who are looking at monetization, how does it also factor in when you're selling ads? I mean, do you tax, you know, do you charge tax to your advertisers? I mean, how do you, well, that, yeah. What, yeah. what are the best ways to set that up for podcasters who are just starting to monetize and don't necessarily know about the, the taxation and the breakdown of a lot of that funding? Well, the, it, that's going to vary a bit depending on where you are, you know, yeah. taxes are a state and federal thing here in the U S and depending what other countries you might, might be involved. Certainly, um, advertising income, the revenue that comes in is taxable as income in most instances. So, uh, yeah, the, the other advantage of having a corporate or an LLC structure is that you can, uh, more easily keep the expenses mm -hmm. separate from the individual's and then take them as tax deductions and those kinds of things to help reduce your tax burden. But uh, ultimately, yeah, you're going to have to do a little bit of legwork to figure out what your tax obligations are, where you're located. As a general rule, uh, at least here in the States, um, there, you, you, you're not supposed, you don't need to charge an extra tax on top of the fee that the, uh, that the sponsor or the advertiser is paying the podcaster. Mm -hmm. Um you know, just charge enough to make sure that you're, you're making a profit even after taxes, um, because services generally are not taxable uh, at the, you know, for sales tax purposes or anything like that. Yeah, no, that's good to know. Cause I think, you know, tax can be really overwhelming for a lot of podcasters and they're thinking, okay, <laughs> where do I, you know, add on that extra tax? Where is it absorbed in the overall aspect of, you know, the finances of the podcast as a whole? So in terms of structuring, what are some best practices or recommendations you have for um, filing those taxes, um, logging expenses, and, and really when you're bringing in revenue, establishing processes and the structure to set yourself up for success? Well, I should first off say that I am not a tax advisor. I'm not an accountant or, <laughs> no, or a tax preparer. So what I'm going to give you is sort of my, my educated yeah. uh, understanding of it, but you know, do your own legwork and make sure you, you check in with your tax advisors. Um, I think that what's most important is that you have good record keeping. So you know what you've spent and what for mm -hmm. when you go to take a deduction. Certainly the, the tax authorities aren't going to just take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they will for a few years until they decide to audit you. And then it's, you better have the backup to show what that expense was. So the good news is that business expenses are, it's pretty flexible. Uh, if you need to buy equipment for your studio, of course, that's a business expense. If you need to pay a cleaning crew to come in and clean the studio so you can have an efficient place to work, that could probably be an expense. If you're working from a home office, look into the home office deductions and things like that. So you can take uh, a, a portion of your, your you get a, a credit on your taxes for some of those kinds of things. And, um, and of course, anything you pay to workers, salary or, or commissions or all those kinds of things, again, are deductible as expenses. So um, I, I would say that for most podcasters, it's still fairly thin margins. If you're generating revenue, you're probably not going to have much of it left over after all the expenses are, are shown yeah. on the books. And you know that's what the owners get to divide up. Right. Absolutely. And you mentioned your podcast, 
which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Um, and how your agreement with your co-host is that it's your podcast and that she's the co-host. And so what are some of the different arrangements that you've seen podcasters use in terms of setting up their company and getting official? I mean, I always think that, um, if two people are doing both the work and they both on the podcast, it would be 50, 50, or if somebody is a co-host and comes on, you know, they would, they wouldn't own the podcast. It would be their podcast, but they would be a co-host. What are some other, um, arrangements that you've seen podcasters take? Well, I, I mean, I've seen everything from treating the co-host as like an employee or, vol- or just a volunteer yeah. uh, to a co-owner to, well, I mean, you know, and it's anywhere in between. It's sort of just a, a question of percentages. Um, sometimes you even end up paying the co-host just a flat dollar amount per episode or per month or what, or per year, whatever. Right. Uh, like you would an of, editor, right? Okay. Or, or any, yeah, anybody. And you can pay editors and producers a percentage of income too, if they're willing to do it that way. Um, or deferred payments, you know, when money comes in, we'll give you this much, those kinds of things. Lots of flexibility here in California in particular, we have some relatively new rules that make it much harder to treat somebody like a contract, like an independent contractor. They're going to look like an employee. So we have to be careful to pay, um, if we're going to pay at all to pay minimum wage or, or, you know, just make sure we're, we're following the rules of employment. And so it makes it a little less attractive to have people as workers without making them owners of, of the enterprise here in California. Just a little yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important wherever you're podcasting from to check out, you know, what yeah. the laws and regulations are in your state, because, you know, sometimes when you're at home and you're thinking, oh, I'll start a podcast and it's really a creative project, maybe on yeah. the side, maybe something you're starting up to see how it goes or what mm-hmm. happens. You know, we don't always think about the structure and the legality and how we can really set ourselves up for success. And sorting these things out at the beginning makes such a big difference once, you know, maybe your podcast takes off or revenue starts coming in, or maybe, you know, your one of your co-hosts wants to start another podcast or another project mm-hmm. and then you bring somebody else in. Yeah. Right. And so, that's a, another really important point about the, the, the team structure, that prenup kind of thing I was talking about yeah. is to anticipate the, what happens if somebody wants to leave, um, or if somebody dies, I mean, it's terrible to have to think about it, but these things happen yeah. and all of a sudden you've got, you know, the wife or the ex-wife and the children, you know, something like that, or a spouse at coming in and, and claiming some ownership interest or claiming a right to be a part of the, of the enterprise, um, and I make it sound bigger than it is when I talk about the enterprise, but, um, you know, the fact well, is legally, yeah, things yeah. are, you know, yeah. if you set up a company, you set up a company. Yeah. Yeah. So having some, some buy sell provisions or something like that, the, what happens if the, all these different questions have to be addressed. Um, and there are a number of different sort of approaches you can take, you know, one is to have the business appraised you know, just have some expert who can assess the value of everything and put a number on it. And then one party buys out the other party or, or they agree to pay off a certain amount every month until it's the amount is paid off. Another is um, uh, kind of a fun, fun. It's kind of an interesting one called a Russian roulette clause oh. where the party that wants to leave sets the number. Oh. I will buy out my interest I will buy out your interest in my, in the show or the business or whatever for X dollars. Huh? And then the other party gets to decide whether they're a buyer or a seller. Wow. Okay. So that is kind of fun. I mean, it's, 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 if you're really invested in the podcast and you both want to keep it, it's probably not the best, but 
it's kind of an interesting, well, you know, what's you going to be real, happen. Realistic about the price, you know, it forces right. both sides to be realistic about the price. If it's worth this much money in everybody's eyes, yeah. then it just comes down to, well, you're the one who's leaving. So you leave the show with me and I'll give you the money or you're leaving, take the show. I'll give me the money, you know? Right. And, and, it, you know, it isn't for everybody, but it's one approach to it. Um, you could also agree that if somebody leaves before the decision to end the show, that they don't take anything. Yeah. Uh, but that's may or may not feel fair. <laughs> to yeah. The party. No, but I think it's definitely something where when you're setting up your podcast, you want to have these options really kind of written down and confirmed and have everybody mm -hmm. agree because, yeah. you know, we've all seen whether it's TV shows or podcasts or radio programs or, you know, movies yeah. where just a deal, you know, doesn't go through. And, and then you realize on the back end, like, you know, somebody's going to have to go. Right. Mm -hmm. and so what does that look like? And how do you, how does everybody leave happy or, you know, feeling like their work was valued, which I think is yeah. really important because with podcasting, you know, we all start our podcasts and, it's one of those things, right? Where it's, it's very speculative and, and it's really an industry where people are creating projects that they're excited about. You know, we, we're all in podcasting because we love it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah. it's really something where, you know, that passion is what drives us. And so to put a value on that can be really difficult as well. Yeah. It also becomes an issue when the podcast is successful enough that it be, it's invited to become a part of a platform or a network or something like that. Yeah. And, or somebody's buying the show, you know, yeah. who's staying on board and who's not, yeah. how are we dividing up the payment for that? How much of the money that's being paid for the show is for the back catalog versus the going forward stuff. Yeah. Lots of, you know, so the, this is where lawyers, it's probably better just to have a lawyer come in and help figure it all out. That's when we'll but, call you. <laughs> That's when we won't interview you, Gordon. We'll just give you a call. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And I think it's something where having that kind of written out in the beginning, you know, because yeah. a lot of the time there's, especially if you're podcasting with more than one person, there's always one person who really you know, this is their thing. Like this is, but whether it's the topic or the, you know, the amount of time and energy they're putting into production, it's really their baby in a lot of ways. And so sure. it's really important to honor that and, and make sure everybody's clear on the front end. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. You know, it, it, once you monetize, if you're looking at back catalog, cause nowadays we've got dynamic ad insertion. So that yeah. back catalog is going to deliver fresh ads. It's evergreen content that's sellable. So if the content is actually evergreen, some of us do shows where last month's episode is not going to be of interest to anybody. Right. <laughs> Nobody right, listening. Right. <laughs> right. But for a lot of shows that are maybe yeah. episodic and, you mm -hmm. know, I, I always think of true crime because a lot of those shows just really blew up in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're doing a different case every episode, those mm -hmm. those episodes really do have value if you're Absolutely. looking at monetizing your back catalog. Um, so if you're looking at creating a partnership or or dissolving a partnership, you know, who owns what. And, and that's exactly. really, no, that's really important. Um, so the next question I want to ask you is how can you scale for, and with your podcast ad revenue? So we've talked about kind of setting things up, but let's say you've set everything up, right? Yeah. You have created a podcast, you have your agreements in place, you filed for an LLC, mm -hmm. um, and you're starting to bring in revenue. Maybe sometimes the ground can shift a little bit and some people may want to contribute more. Some people may want to contribute less. Some people may want to outsource. And so how do you adjust when you start becoming a professional podcaster and making that shift into 
revenue? Well, yeah, boy, that's a hard question because every, everybody's going to handle it a little differently. I think that having a business structure often also mm-hmm. lays out the rules of, of the road for mm-hmm. how do we handle the things that come up. Yeah. You know, life is always going to have its uncertainties and it's, it's uh, call them obstacles, call them opportunities, how you deal with them. If there's a plan for how to deal with them, and that might be, well, here, here's how we're going to vote. This is how many votes need to happen in order to go down a particular path that that yeah. can be a part of this equation. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm actually partial to the one owner model for the very reason that we're just saying is that, that one person makes the decision yeah, and the rest, you know, go along or not uh, if they don't like that decision. And it's sometimes hard and, and uncomfortable. And, and the one person has to make those decisions in light of how people are going to react, of course. Yeah. But uh, one owner is, is, is oftentimes the right way to go. Yeah. No, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, you start with one owner and then maybe other people, like we were saying, maybe production or editing or a co-host would want to take a percentage later or want a percentage of ownership later. Yeah. I mean, it's possible to make contracts where you share a percentage of the money without sharing a percentage of the ownership. And we should talk about ownership and what ownership means, because when we're talking about a, a, a podcast or any kind of a media venture, really the ownership or the property that the thing is, is the intellectual property, the, the catalog of content and, and the right to go forward with those names and characters and storylines and, and themes and things like that. Yeah. So copyrights and trademarks are the, are the, the real substance of what ownership, I mean, yes, you own the enterprise, the business, the contracts with all the vendors and the dealers and, and everybody else, but it really comes down to who owns the content, the episodes yeah. and, uh, um, I, I think, you know, the fewer cooks to spoil the broth, <laughs> That's yeah. a weird metaphor. you know what I'm saying? Though. Yeah, absolutely. What is it? Too many cooks in the kitchen or yeah, too many cooks yeah. spoils the broth. And, and so we want to keep it to, you know, let's have a master chef. Who, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that's, <laughs> that's a really important point. You know, when you're looking at making sure that everybody gets a piece of the pie, they don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to own the podcast with you, but they can get a percentage of the revenue. Yeah, you can think of the money as a pie separate from the thing that is, you know, yeah, that you're, that you're selling. So, um, and it's fine to divide up that pie. In fact, that's inherently what we do. It's sometimes yeah. we divide it up in terms of this many dollars, and sometimes we make the slices based on percentages. But ultimately, you just want to make sure there's a slice left for the <laughs> for the most important people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's if it's your podcast and you're personally podcasting. Mm-hmm. So. Um, also, I want to get into, you know, with podcasts, sometimes we always talk about picking the right name and yeah. sometimes you can pick a name and you can do research, but maybe you missed it and somebody else has that name or you've launched your podcast and it's successful. And then here comes some hot new startup with your podcast name. So yeah. what do you do if someone's using your podcast name? Well, you know, it, it sort of depends on what you did earlier on. Yeah. If you have taken the right steps to protect your intellectual property, in this mm-hmm. case, the, the title of your show could be a trademark. Mm-hmm. If you've taken steps to protect it, you're in a position to tell them to stop. Yeah. That, that newcomer, that, that uh, evildoer who comes in and, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> steals your name. Name stealer. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's a trademark. You know, that's what trademarks are, is the right yeah. to basically prevent others from confusing the consumer Absolutely. By yeah. adopting a similar or identical name. Um, 
if you haven't gone to those steps, then, and, and in fact, even when you do own a trademark, I, I often advise people to uh, try to catch more flies with honey. Yeah. I, I'm just all full of metaphors tonight. I don't no, know I love it. Them. I'm a metaphor kind of person. So yeah. no, I agree. You know, it's, it's always it's nicer, nicer to, to say, yeah. Hey, reach out to mine. them and say, I'm sure you didn't realize this, but this, so I'm going to have to ask you, would you please change the name? Yeah. And I'd say nine times out of 10, they will. The, yeah. Oh gosh, I didn't know, or didn't think you'd notice. <laughs> you know, right. Right. Um, and it's the ones who stay, who say, well, who are you to say, or you don't get to tell me what I can call my show, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. That's where we end up having to resort to um, the kinds of letters that people like me write. <laughs> right. <laughs> the right. cease and desist. Cease and desist. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, um, and sometimes that involves us contacting the directories and the, the services like Spotify and Apple and, and uh, iHeart and those folks and, and telling them, Hey, we've got this problem. You've got to delist that show. Yeah. And if we're, if we've done the right things to protect the brand names, we can yeah. get them delisted. Yeah. So it's, it's great that you have a podcast, but if it's not, if nobody can find it, it's, it's never going to hurt anybody. Right. So, um, uh, and that goes both ways, you know, choosing yeah. your name carefully at the start is important. You said, make sure you do a search, search the directories, search, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> search Google, um, you know, or all the uh, search engines and, mm-hmm search the patent and trademark office here in the US or, or uh, wherever you are, search trademark records to see yeah. is somebody using or a confusingly similar title. And there are formal trademark searches that we do before we register a trademark. And, you know, it may be worth a few hundred dollars to invest in, in conducting a big search before you invest a lot of time, energy, money, resources in starting a show and then being confronted six, 10 weeks later by yeah. someone saying, you've got to change your name. Yes, absolutely. And, and what's the process of registering that copyright? Here in the U.S., the registration process is, I, 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 won't, I won't say it's simple. It's straightforward. It's okay. time consuming and you have to, you know, you're filing a government, an application for a, a, a government to give you special protection and um, uh, you have to get it just right. It is possible to do it yourself, but I fix a lot of people's applications when they've tried to do it themselves. Um, so I think it's better, you know, to just hire a professional to do your trademark registration. But the process is telling the government, here's who we are. Here's what we're doing. Here's the kind of, here's the, what we're doing with this brand, which categories or classes of goods and services we're using it in. And, um, and we'd like to be registered. And then the government will take its time uh, to, process that and evaluate it and let you know if they think there's something, either it's a problem with something else being confusing or, um, or it's too descriptive. Trademarks have to be distinctive in order to be protected. We'll come back to that, but it's too descriptive. It's generic, those kinds of things. But ultimately, if you're, if, when we're successful uh, telling the government why it should go through, they then, um, authorize it and it gets published in the what's called the gazette which uh, puts the world on notice that that uh, someone wants to register this thing and then they get 30 to 60 days to respond and it's open for public opposition basically so the process takes anywhere from a year to i'm hearing now it's about 15 months now for a lot of them um might have gone through a little quicker than that but but uh, yeah the, it seems to be the time frame is getting longer because people are getting back into business now and the trademark office is trying to catch up with a backlog. So, um, 
yeah, it's not something you can do overnight, but yeah. uh, the sooner you start, the sooner you're, you're approved. Um, and yeah, it's just a good idea to do it when you start your show. Yeah, absolutely. And so the trademark or your copyright and your business are two very separate things. <laughs> so for, for those of you out there, there's, they are separate. Well, the business owns the copyright yeah. in each episode yeah, and the trademark for the title of the episode of the show, I should say. Yeah. And it owns the contracts with the various people that are working on the show. So it's, it's yeah. a bucket essentially yeah. to hold all those things. And then the owners of the bucket get to dip in, take their share out from time to time. Right. Oh, that's a great analogy. Yeah. Today's just been full of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think also, you know, when we're, when you're looking at a trademark and looking at applying for one, it's really important because sometimes, you know, you want a show name that's easy to remember. You want a show yeah. name that people are just going to bloop, you know, <laughs> just like mm -hmm. a snap, it's going to come to them. And, and sometimes it's, you come up with an idea and it's so easy. Right. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the 10 people yeah. have it, or it's been done before, <laughs> or it's a very famous podcast. That one comes up a lot. So, well, or, yeah, or, or, well, I mean, my own show is an interesting example. Remember I said that you know, a title has to be distinctive in order yeah. to be entitled to trademark protection. Well, my show is called entertainment law update. Mm -hmm. That is not distinctive. It's very descriptive. It's exactly, you know, exactly what you're getting when you tune yeah. into the show. Fortunately, um, by virtue of long use, without any of anybody else being in your way or, or coming in and crowding the space, yeah. you can acquire that distinctiveness. It's what we call secondary meaning. Mm. So now here, 13 years later, after people have been aware of my show, yeah. they know that that's my show and trademarks are a source of, or an indicator of source or origin. So I, I have acquired the secondary meaning that that means I'm entitled to trademark protection. Um, but it's better to choose a distinctive title in the first place, something that maybe doesn't have anything really to do with what your show is about or, or, or that is a, you know, a side, a side entry reference or something like that. If you think about it, some of the strongest brands out there are words that have nothing to do with what the business does. Yeah. What does Nike have to do with sneakers? What does, what does uh, Amazon have to do with selling anything that doesn't come from the Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's just a bit of a random name. And then we apply that meaning as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, choose, choose wisely and, and, uh, and think outside the box a little bit when choosing a, a show title. I think that's yeah. the big answer there. All right. Well, Gordon, what, where, where are some, Ooh, <laughs> well, Gordon, what are some resources that podcasters that are listening here today can use to set themselves up for success in terms of podcasting. So you mentioned your book and then also, do you have any online resources or? I sure do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, I have a, a something we didn't really talk about, but it's one of the things that I really am on a, a soapbox about is if you're having guests on your podcast, just like I said, you should have that prenup with everybody that's involved in the making of your show. Well, the guests yeah. are people who are involved in making your show too. And because of the way copyright law works, there's an argument to be made that your guest is a co-creator of the episode that they're on with you and oh, a wow. co-author co or co-creator is a co-owner. Mm -hmm. So it's a good idea to have a release signed by the guest. Yes. And I offer a free podcast guest release. If you go to podcastrelease.com and give me your email address, I'll give you a free lawyer drafted release form that you can use with your guests. And, um, 
I really wish everybody would do this all the time. Yes, we hear from all, we always hear from the, well, I worked for radio for 30 years and I never had to get releases from the people who came on the shows. And yeah, that's a radio station that has a, you know, multi-million dollar annual budget and lawyers on staff and, you know, good for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you want to protect yourself, just get them to sign this piece of paper or this, you know, online form that says, Hey, I consent to your recording and I will understand that you will own what we record together and that I won't have any right of approval or to take the episode down or any of those kinds of things later on. So yeah, absolutely. Podcast- or if you monetize it, they may ask for a cut. You never know. Exactly. Exactly. So the podcast release.com is, is uh, the place to go for that. Um, I have lots of resources online. The best place to go just to find me generally is my name, gordonfiremark.com. And uh, I, of course, I'm the podcast lawyer. I can do the done for you kind of stuff. And I offer the uh, information and tools like the ebook, podcastlawbook.com. But I also uh, offer uh, training and tools and templates of various kinds for folks who are more of a do-it-yourselfer but want that little extra help and instruction to uh, make that happen. So gordonfiremark.com is the sort of clearinghouse for everything. Absolutely. And we'll have that here in the show notes. Well, Gordon, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I think as so many podcasts set themselves up starting and then also growing, you know, it's, it's so important to establish your company and get things clear from the ground. I agree. Thank you so much for having me and letting me get on my soapbox a little bit. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Podcasting Smarter. If you have any podcasting questions or want to get in touch, send us an email at podcastingsmarter at podbean.com. Thanks so much and happy podcasting.